Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. There's nothing more rock and roll than terribly large explosions of dying stars. And that's what we're talking about here, heavy metal supernovas. And on the other flip side of that coin, black holes, which act as forges for all the rare and heavy metals that we find across our universe. This week, we hang out with some stellar rock gods. When a star reaches a certain stage in its life and it has enough mass, then it can explode in one fiery, gigantic, final explosion. We call these supernova, and they can be stunningly beautiful. They form a ring of gas around them as it spreads out across, makes a flash of light that only lasts for a few brief periods of time. In the past, we called these visiting stars, at least that's how the ancient Chinese astronomers used to refer to them as, guest stars that graced us with their presence in a constellation before disappearing. In fact, we know that Chinese astronomers recorded supernova as early as 185 CE or beforehand, and over a period of about a thousand years actually recorded in detail about 25 candidate supernovas that we're pretty sure we've tracked, including ones that were also observed by Babylonian, Assyrian, Islamic scholars, and scholars later in Europe as well, including some ones all the way through to around 1000 CE, which was incredibly bright, the brightest recorded star to ever appear in the, the night sky, and it was noted in China, Egypt, Iraq, Italy, Japan, and Switzerland, and France and Syria, to name a few places. And that was actually from a supernova around 7,000 light years away from Earth. Now, there's been later ones since then, and the last most visibly with the naked eye one to occur was around 1400 CE. We're also pretty sure that one occurred in the Vela region. We we've see the Vela supernova remnant, and we believe that that occurred around 20,000 years ago. Uh, and re- people in the southern hemisphere would have been able to see that one very, very clearly. Some studies undertaken by NASA astronomists and archaeologist George Machinowski suggest that there are actually some markings left by the indigenous peoples in Bolivia in and by those in Native Americans as well, that would represent recording of such a supernova event. It would also have been visible to peoples in Australia, first peoples in Australia and other southern hemisphere regions. So supernova have always fascinated us, and we've been studying them for thousands and thousands of years. But a new type of supernova has been detected by researchers from Northwestern University. In fact, This supernova breaks all the rules when it comes to supernova. It's a heavy metal supernova that rocks out in a surprising and interesting way. Now, supernovas are pretty much some of the most massive and energetic explosions in the universe. And when a massive star runs out of fuel, it can collapse into itself and make this beautiful type of explosion and spreads all of its vital elements into space. This propagation of material across the universe is pretty much how we ended up with our solar system. And that's why people like Carl Sagan said we were all made of stardust. But researchers led by Matt Nichol from Harvard's Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics in Cambridge, Massachusetts, 
have found a very, very unusual type of supernova. Working together with Aranco de Lago, they dubbed a supernova SN supernova 2017, the year EGM, uh, which is made on May 23rd, 2017. They discovered this supernova using the European Space Agency's Gaia satellite, which again, that's how we actually generate these names of these stellar objects. It's too complicated to do them any other way. So we, we name them on the type, the date and how we discovered them. And SN 2017 EGM is located in a spiral galaxy about 420 million light years from Earth, which is about three times closer than most of the other superluminous supernova we've seen before. And a research group led by Subodong of the Kaval Institute for Astronomy and Astrophysics used the Nordic Optical Telescope to actually classify it as a superluminous supernova. And a superluminous supernova is one that has explosions that are about 100 times brighter than any other supernova that we've seen because of the way it's using its certain types of fuel. When the researchers led by Subo Dong at the Kavili Institute started to analyse the location, they, they were starting to get very confused because not only is, was this supernova much brighter uh, and also much closer than any other super luminous supernova we've seen before, it was in a location where there's a very, very high concentration of elements heavier than hydrogen and helium. Which, basically, anything heavier than hydrogen and helium, astronomers classify as metals. There's a lot of other delineations in the periodic table, but for an astronomer, if it's not hydrogen or helium, the typical fuel for a star, it's a metal. Uh, and it means that this supernova was born in a metal-rich environment. Not just normal metals, heavy metals concentrated dense materials which is a very unusual fuel for stars it's actually the first time we've seen a superluminous supernova being born so to speak in a metal rich environment previously to that most dwarf galaxies that we've seen superluminous supernovas to be in actually have a, a low metal content and it was believed that's the key ingredient for making these explosions if one of these superluminous supernovas, these heavy metal supernovas, actually went off in our galaxy, it would pretty much be the brightest event ever recorded in human history. It'd be about as bright as the full moon. And that would be pretty intense. However, it's okay, because they're so rare, we'd probably have to wait a couple of hundred million years to actually see one. So don't hold your breath for that to happen. Now, it's a bit interesting because... The nature of SN217 EGM actually suggests that the base star that formed this was a highly magnetized neutron star, which astronomers call a magnistar. And it's that's what is driving this incredible amount of light generated by these supernovas. And it's suspected that because this was a rapidly spinning, highly energized magnetostar, that caused it to spin more, which led to this very superluminous supernova that we saw, but it also ejected less mass than a typical supernova ejects. These metal-rich supernovas that are superluminous uh, give us a good hint for how we can actually end up with these superluminous supernovas occurring. So the, in metal-rich environments, they occur less frequently than metal-poor ones because it's rarer to actually be somewhere where that's metal-rich. But they seem to be more luminous in the type of event that's created. It's the same thing we see with gamma rays. They sort of have a similar correlation. So if you want to go look at the superluminous heavy metal supernova, 
from July 4th to September 16th, you can't because it's actually obscured by the sun. It's too close in the sky to the sun, so it gets washed out. But after that, we've got a couple more years of observation of this supernova. And it'd be amazing to see what other surprises we have in store and what we can learn from this stellar oddity that burns super brightly, spins really fast, and loves heavy metal. So this is some great work published in the journal Astrophysical Journal Letters, coming out of Northwestern University. So from one heavy metal supernova to another stellar object that involves a lot of metal, a neutron star. So when we talk about heavy elements in an astronomical setting, we refer to anything that's not hydrogen or helium, the standard fuels for stars, as being a heavy metal. And from these, in the fusion process that occurs in stars, we form all other elements we see around the universe. Things like gold, platinum and uranium, all the way down the periodic table. And they're formed in these stellar explosions of supernovas, or in the hearts of stars as they burn through and fuse the heavier and heavier metals in order to create fuel towards the end of their life. And astronomers believe that most of these are R-process elements, i.e. elements much heavier than iron, which is not very far down the periodic table, were created either in the aftermath of the collapse of a massive star, in the supernova explosion, or in the merging of two neutron stars together. Uh, two binary stars that are orbiting each other, that become neutron stars, collapse in on themselves, and then smash into each other in a huge explosion, making it a giant furnace that could forge gold, platinum, uranium, and other hev- heavy, heavy elements, heavier than iron. And that's the concept put forward by researchers including George Fuller, a theoretical physicist and professor of physics at UC San Diego's Center for Astrophysics and Space Scientists. They published a paper on this topic in the journal Physical Review Letters, where working with other theoretical astrophysicists at UCLA, including Alex Kushenko and Vladimir Takishtov, they investigated ways that other heavy elements could be formed by things not supernovas but by other strange stellar objects like tiny black holes or neutron stars and how these could be used to forge these super heavy elements. Now, neutron stars are the smallest and densest stars known to exist. They are so dense that a spoonful of their surface material has equivalent mass of about 3 billion tons. So that's super dense. And what that means is that they're they're incredibly interesting when they reach end-of-life stage or start to smash into or interact with other objects. Now, tiny black holes, on the other hand, are much more speculative. We know that black holes exist and we've validated their existence, but it's possible that there exist smaller forms of black holes that weren't formed by stellar collapse or by somehow a byproduct of the Big Bang. And these smaller tinier black holes would be obviously harder to detect, but could go some way to explaining the unresolved mystery of this dark matter, this unseen, non-interacting stuff 
that still contributes a lot of mass to that calculations and understanding of the universe. Now, if these tiny black holes that we could theorize may exist follow the distribution of dark matter in space, or if they coexist with neutron stars, then that could result in some interesting physics. And that's what Fuller and his colleagues were actually investigating. In such a rare instance, that's a neutron star, these super dense tiny stars, interacts with a really small black hole, then the black hole would devour the neutron star from the inside out. And this would be an incredibly violent process that would eject some of the densest matter from the heart of the neutron star out into space. And that would be interesting because that would explain how we get this dense matter, these heavy, heavy, heavy elements all the way scattered across the universe, which otherwise couldn't be possible with just standard conventional supernova explosions. It's basically the idea is that like a a small black hole might invade a neutron star and eat it from the inside out. And in the last milliseconds of the neutron star's demise, it basically ejects this stream of neutron-rich material that would explain the large abundance of heavy elements we see scattered across the universe. But it also would explain how these elements would be formed as well, because as the neutron star would be devoured, it spins faster and faster and faster and ejects all this cold neutron matter, which then decompresses, heats up, and makes these elements. So this process of creation would explain how we end up with all these really heavy and strange elements scattered across not only our galaxy, but the entire universe. And without these events, we wouldn't get some of these materials, or maybe there's another mechanism that we don't yet know about that's producing these. And since this event type of event would be so incredibly rare, it would make sense that there's only you know a few galaxies that have been enriched with these heavy elements. And it sort of would match up with the density of neutron stars that we see across the universe, and also the distribution of these heavy materials that we see across the universe. But it might also explain some other unexplained cosmic phenomenons that we can see, we can observe using different types of techniques, but we have no logical explanation for them. For example, uh, there's a type of event called a kilonova, which a distinctive display of infrared light produced, uh, which we picked up as fast radio bursts from unknown sources deep in the cosmos. We don't know what's actually producing them, but we are picking them up. Or maybe positrons that we're detecting in the galactic center via using X-ray analysis. And each of these strange cosmic phenomena we, we can pick up, but we don't know what's causing them. But a neutron star being devoured from the inside by a tiny black hole would be a violent enough eruption and event to produce some of these weird bursts that we've been picking up. So maybe it is the cause, maybe it isn't. Until we find one being devoured and point the finger at it, we won't really know. But this modelled hypothesis from the researchers at UCLA has actually given us perhaps a method for explaining some of these strange events that we see in the universe and how we just managed to end up with all these heavy elements scattered across our universe, without which you wouldn't be listening to this very podcast right now. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, Lagrange Point. From black holes acting as forgers for all the rarest of metals, to heavy metal supernovas adding an extra kick or to their already stellar explosions. Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.